0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment.
1: Welcome to the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Your premium destination for all things gaming culture. We have the latest in gaming news, reviews of the hottest new games, discussion and analysis of the games of yesteryear. When you're short on time and need your gaming fix, look no further than the crew who know their master chief from their master sword. I love Halo. Your hosts, Joel, Simon, Casey, and Ferg. So toss a coin to your witcher and answer that call of duty. It's time to level up. This is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Yes, infiltrating a chemical weapons facility with our partner Alec Trevelyan, fighting our way to the chemical storage bunker, and destroying the facility with explosives after our partner is executed.
2: Three, two...
0: Putting on James! <laughs> The gas
1: this is the Discerning Gamer Podcast.
0: <laughs> I am your host, Joel, JB,
1: Fury, Bo Shane, and with us this week, as always, are the DG crew, starting with the PC gamer, the Sultan of Steam, climbing Bright Dawn with the utmost level of care before throwing a series of plates and bowls off a cliff. And onto some unsuspecting grazer machines. It's Fergus Fergamon <laughs> Hamilton. Welcome to the show, Fergus.
2: Oh, JB. How are you, mate? I'm fired up this week. We've had a couple of weeks off and we've got a lot of content to rip through
0: tonight. Wow. So we you know, are chomping positively bit,
1: bursting at the seams with content this week. Lucky you, arsehole. Lucky you, listener. I didn't hear what you said. It's something about an arsehole, but. Uh, no,
0: you're I'm you're bursting me. at an <laughs> arsehole.
1: <laughs> Anyway, uh, that was, of course, (laughs) the gaming (laughs) chef, the Earl of Emotional Damage, running headfirst into battle in the new VR title Pavlov, only to accidentally eject the magazine currently in his rifle. (laughs) It's Simon Steely McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, Steely.
0: I'm prone to accidentally ejecting Joel. I've done it three times now, and um, needless to say, I'm very happy with the results because I've got two beautiful boys and a lovely little girl on the way. God,
1: Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, just all preparation for VR, I'm sure, um, <laughs> yeah. Simo. Uh,
3: Bring it back to the games.
1: Yes. Finally, the... Nintendo Queen, uh, Pistol Pisty Pete herself. Uh, it's uh, she's uh, she's just returned from the Rainbow <laughs> Road with all of the Kongs in tow, and she's ready to eat some magic mushrooms. It's Casey C Mac <laughs> yeah, McLaughlin. Sure. Welcome to the show, C Mac. Thank you,
3: thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: And That's th- it? <laughs> well, great. <laughs> this week, like uh,
0: quite a thank yous. Yes,
1: this week uh, after the little uh, break that we had, we we've actually got quite a quite a bit of new content because uh, last week uh, was my my birthday, and uh, my beautiful family decided to get me a PSVR two, uh, which was just amazing. So this week we wanted to kick things off by giving some some little first impressions. On the PSVR2 now, uh, we've had uh, Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. You've you've come round and, and uh, given it a crack, mm-hmm. and uh, of course Simon Steele and mclaughlin has been round and he's he's had a go as well. Uh, we will get uh, C Mac around to give it a go at some point, but uh, uh, we just couldn't uh, achieve it this this week due to uh, other other things that you've had going on. So. Um,
3: people to, to keep alive. Yeah. yeah. Being
0: a, <laughs> a parent.
1: <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, so first things first, um, just a couple of um, sort of mentions about the setup. So the setup was relatively easy. Um, however, there's a few parts of it that I found a little bit annoying, particularly uh, because I've I've had a few people r- around and had to set it up from scratch for each individual profile and each person and um, it sort of doesn't let you sort of skip through some of the, the early parts. So, of course, you know, first time I've got it, I've whipped it out the box, plugged it in, chucked it, all, chucked all the head headwear on and the, the sense controllers in my hands. I'm ready to start uh, setting it up and the first thing the uh, PlayStation tells me is right, take it off. So, take it all off again, and then it sort of gives you a little spiel, oh, you know, don't let kids under 12 play it, and this, that, and the other. And then it gives you an animated sort of uh, uh, sort of picture on how to put it all on, and then it tells you to put it all back on again, which, all right. So, straight off the bat, come on. You know, that was a little bit, little bit annoying, but anyway... Um, so when you're setting it up, the headset does a brightness check of the room and then it wants to map out a play area for you to play mm-hmm. in. And there's three play modes that you can use for the VR2. There's uh, the sitting mode where basically you're sitting in a chair and it'll just create like a little sort of virtual fence around you. And as long as you stay within that fence, you're you're fine. Then there's um, sort of the standing uh, sort of mode where it's, if you're standing up but you're in an area that's less than two metres square, um, which I'm not sure what that is in um, in feet and inches, but uh, I'm sure you can work it out. So if you've, if you've got less than that, you can just sort of stand up and just sort of play where you're standing without sort of moving around too much. But then if you've got the room, you can set up a two metre by two metre area in which you can sort of move around a little bit more in your environment. And uh, <clears throat> so we tried... All, all three settings and got a bit of a feel for that and uh, once you've set up that virtual fence, if uh, when you're playing, if you sort of stray too close to it, you, you'll see it sort of appear in the game to sort of tell you that you're getting close to one of those barriers so you don't bump into stuff and if you move one of the sense controllers through that virtual fence, it'll sort of create a red circle around your hand so that you can see that that's mm. sort of strayed out of your play area so some of those features are pretty good um, on the underside of the scope, there's a, a button that you can press, which uh, switches to see-through mode. So then you can actually like look around with the VR on your head and actually see what's going on in the environment round about you, which is which is handy if um, you know someone comes to interrupt you and gives you a tap on the shoulder. You can quickly just sort of switch to see-through and mm. you know see what it is that they're, they're after. So stuff like that, um, all, all pretty good. Um, the sense controllers themselves fit my hands really well. Like, I was a little bit concerned after seeing some videos online that maybe they wouldn't fit well because some people were struggling, you know, pe- particularly people with bigger hands, but it seems that my hands weren't so big that they were, they were a problem. Um, what about <laughs> you, Ferg? Did you have any issues with the sense controllers?
2: No, not, not as far as the size of my hands or anything like that. Um, no, all good. <laughs> And, and i think that was probably my first impression so the disclaimer is no experience with any vr stuff so this is really my first jump into it and i was quite surprised how quickly and how easy it was to get up and going you yeah. know as far as you just chuck the headset on and there's you know you can adjust basically i don't know what it's called the bit at the front comes yep. in and out yep. and then yep. there's Scope. yeah and then there's a band at the back which you just basically turn to tighten and Outside of that, you just chuck it on and you adjust those two things and you're pretty much good to go f- straight out the back. Mm. So, from that point of view, I thought it was really good, easy to get set up and obviously, you know, you've got multiple people in the house, everyone have a different profile, you set it up once and you don't have to worry about it again. There's obviously some configuration every time you stick it on but, yeah, from that point of view, it was really easy to just get up and going. Mm. Mm.
1: What about you, Steely? What did, what was your impression of the, the sort of setup and the controller's specifically
0: you know it's it's i find it to be a really interesting thing when a a a bit of hardware can make the setup of it feel interesting you know (laughs) like when you're scanning the room and it almost feels like you're in the matrix or something that's just Mm. i mean a bit of an outdated reference there but it's it's kind of funny you're looking around the room you're scanning the room and uh, i mean that in itself felt cool like (laughs) i just i don't know there was something about it but um, I mean the the uh, the sense controllers I found were really um, I mean it takes a bit to get used to them with each game. My only gripe with the sense controllers um, in any aspect of using them was the positioning of the PS button so mm. your home button. Mm. I think that was the only thing that really kind of bugged me over my time playing. I'd much rather have maybe seen that that home that ps button on the outside of the controller, something that you have to press with each hand on the outside. It's a little bit more deliberate and out of the way because I did find a couple of the times in the heat of the moment, I kept pressing the PS button, and kind of going, "Oh shit!" Like because I can't constantly look at the buttons I'm pressing, I'm hitting the wrong thing all the time, and that was the only kind of gripe with the controllers that I had. But um, apart from that, I just yeah, froth, heavy froth,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, so once you sort of go through that, um, that initial sort of setup, then there's a a calibration process that you go through for the eye tracking. Now, this one really wowed me quite significantly. So basically, you're you staring straight ahead, tells you to keep your head perfectly still, and you're following a, like a red dot on the screen as it moves to different locations. So you're just following it with your eyes and nothing else. And once that's done, then it puts like a series of six or seven dots in a circular pattern around the screen, and it asks you just to try it out, and you look at each dot, and as you do, you know the the, mm. the PlayStation's able to follow exactly which dot you're looking at and highlight them in a different colour, mm. um, and so that then becomes like a a mechanic that you can use to navigate through menus in game, where you're literally looking at the selection you want to make on the menu, and cool. then pushing an X button to to confirm, basically. So. Mm. That wow. I thought works amazing, and Call mm. of the Mountain, like Horizon Call of the Mountain, which uh, is bundled in with one of the VR packages, um, utilizes that mechanic for for navigating through menus and everything. So mm. that that works really well. Uh, some of the the other games, particularly like Swordsman VR, for example, which is is a PSVR one game that's been sort of updated to work with PSVR two. Doesn't utilize that mechanic. It's sort of, it's almost like you're you're aiming a virtual sort of dot with mm, your controller, like and then, yeah, pointing it at the selection you want, and then pulling the trigger to sort of confirm. So, uh, be great to see more games utilize that uh, that eye tracking mechanic. Um, now, the other thing with it, after playing for a while, um, I, I notice I could sort of pull the the scope away from my eyes, and I'm just dripping with sweat absolutely pouring <laughs> with sweat um yeah especially after a lot of the games which are quite physical particularly like call of the mountain for example where your your arms are sort of flailing around you're you're climbing around the place and shooting arrows and all that sort of thing and uh, there's no there's no sort of fan or anything built into the unit to sort of cool you down and I'm. I'm pretty sure you had the same issue, uh, Simo, didn't you? Like, was um getting oh, pretty.
0: Oh, yeah, I reckon I lost about three kilos off my forehead just from fucking <laughs> playing some of those games. It was just sweat, hard dripping sweat everywhere. I could taste it. Yeah, um, yeah underneath those eye goggles.
1: Delicious, delicious. Um, and what about um, you, Ferg? Were you? I... Noticeably sweaty after sweaty. playing?
2: No, not noticeably sweaty, but I suppose one thing I didn't really... I mean, I went in with virtually no expectations on how it was going to go and what it was going to be like, but that's, yeah, one of the one of the things I realized very on, that it's actually quite... A, it's immersive, and B, it's actually a physical gaming experience. So, mm. I mean, Call of the Mountain, like you said, very physical, lots of climbing, things like that, Um, <clears throat> And, yeah, like the swordsman game, you're pretty much simulating what it would be like to be holding a sword in real life. So, you're moving around, you're, you know, flailing arms around and doing stuff like that. You do that for more than five minutes and, yeah, you're starting to get your heart rate up a bit there. Oh, yeah. Shit, yeah. I I wasn't, I didn't have too many issues with overheating, but I was definitely <laughs> working a lot harder than if I was just sitting there with a the controller. So, yeah.
1: Absolutely um well all right so on that note let's let's jump into first impressions of uh, the games that we we all t- tried out for PSVR2 so there's four four games that I I sort of bought along with the VR so we had Horizon Call of the Mountain which came in the bundle Gran Turismo 7 VR so this was a free update that came out for Gran Turismo 7 which gives you VR capabilities to to sort of drive around uh, Swordsman VR, which is a, an older uh, sort of PS4 title that's been updated to to run on VR2, and then Pavlov VR, which uh, is almost like a like a Call of Duty slash Warzone type shooter. Um, there is a single player mode where you can play against bots, but it's predominantly designed to be an online thing where you're running around, running and gunning uh, other other players. So, um. First off, uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain. So um, it sort of starts off, there's quite a long sequence that you go through. This is the one that most people would have seen online. I think it was a state of play where you're sort of in a boat going through the jungle and you see the the tall neck walk past and, and all that sort of thing. So... That um that was all pretty thrilling to sort of see in real time through the through the VR mm. and obviously looking around at the environment like everything was really quite amazingly sort of rendered and that like it it just looks like mm. really really fantastic um and uh, yeah I mean there is a sense of awe when you see mm. that for the first time um what, what was your experience Ferg yeah
2: again first VR experience. I'm going to blow the lid off this one. I thought it looked fucking amazing. I was absolutely blown away with how amazing the VR looked. I think putting the headset on, I think it does an amazing job of just bla- it's you are in the dark like it is pitch black. Like mm-hmm. the way the headset sits on your face just means that there's no there's nothing coming in other than sound. And just playing this game, I was just absolutely floored with how amazing this this looked. Like we've We've been talking about this for the last three months because I know Joe was really hoping to get his hands on one and I'm glad that he has. The price is one thing, but what you get for that money, the technology is insane. Like, I could not believe how good this looked. Um, yeah, that was my first impressions. I was like, holy crap. I was just sitting there. I mean, the o- opening sequence you haven't seen is you're basically sitting in a canoe and you're going along this river and you're sort of looking around as things un- are unhappen- uh, unhappening. And so I'm looking around and then at some point I was like, I'm, can I look outside the boat can I peer over the edge of the boat and it's got the technology to be able to understand that if you're sort of craning your neck to the left to the right or over the side of the boat it actually knows that you're doing that so I actually looked over the edge of the boat and then I was like oh well, can I stick my hand in the water and I stick my hand in the water and I was like flicking leaves and doing all this stuff so it looks insane mm. that game looks absolutely incredible.
1: Yeah, you got to hand it to Gorilla and Fire Sprite. Uh, mm. Well, I think Fire Sprite predominantly did most of the programming for this, so yep. obviously using mm. a, a Gorilla IP. Uh, both Gorilla and Fire Sprite are first party uh game studios for PlayStation. Uh, now, I think Fire Sprite was a fairly recent acquisition. Um, but if that's the quality of the games mm. that they're going to be churning out for this thing, mm. look out cuz um that It's
2: just the color and just everything. It was yeah. it was Insane, like beautiful.
1: Yeah, what about you, Steely? What was your first impressions when you uh, started in Call of the Mountain?
0: I, I just was really blown away. I was I was genuinely blown away. Like I'd said to you um, or to everyone on a previous show that our only experience with VR was really doing some VR parks in Japan, and then sitting there in in like the comfort of your of a home and not out somewhere and not being seated, you're standing and you're going through. I mean, like Ferg said, that opening sequence is just. Um, really something like I, I think that it just completely transports you. And I think that that's really amazing. But what I found to be most exciting, um, which this is going to sound really stupid, but was the interactability with the rest of the world. So once you kind of get off that boat and you start to do other things, um, the way that you interact with the world, just it felt like just so surreal, you know, um, the the parts where, I think there was a part where I was climbing and I, and I fell. I misgrabbed onto a, a bit of uh, rope. And at the start of it, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm falling. It's a video game. And then I was like, holy shit, I'm falling. <laughs> like, I was like yeah. stressed out mm. for a minute. Yeah, you um, sort of physically
1: then- jumped because I was sitting there watching you and you, you sort of, <laughs> yeah, like I could I could see yeah. like a physical reaction of you when you realise you were falling down a ravine, yeah. you know. Um so um, and yeah. the, there's
0: times where I think that the thing is that it kind of the only awkward part of it is that because when you're moving forward with a control stick, your your body's not moving. You have this sense to walk, but you know that walking is not going to take you anywhere. And yeah, so I'm
3: curious to know: did do you feel like I don't know? Do you feel like you're going to fall over?
0: Sometimes. Yeah, because yeah. I
3: I'm I'm bad with that. Like I feel like <laughs> I'm not very good with sensory things. So if you were to block out my hearing. Or because there's a block out hearing.
0: Well, yeah, because you put the yeah you the block out my
3: that I would just fall over because I'd be scared I was going to fall over in real life hit hit something or walk into the TV.
0: Yeah, it's, does it's, it
3: warn you if you're about to walk you. into
0: yeah. something yeah
3: because <laughs> okay. you have
0: a play area yeah so see up.
3: i just feel like i would always want to fall over if i was standing there because I, I don't know i don't, yeah. I don't know but
0: being you- able to do things like you know reach down and, and pick up stuff and actually touch the ground it gives you a, a base you know i was saying that to you as well last night jb is, what's amazing is it gives you a basis of where the physical world, you can still react with it to a degree and feel things. And then mm. it gives you that sort of once you've played it for long enough, it actually kind of puts you in it even more. And it also because it's tailored to your height, then it doesn't feel as unnatural and weird. It starts to feel even more natural and 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 you know My quite gosh. quite right, you know, to be in that world. Mm. But I just I found it just absolutely unreal, just throwing clay pots off the edge of a a giant cliff that i know that I'd never be able to climb, uh, yet I could do it there. It was just absolutely, there's just something dumb and stupid fun about it, you know, Uh, simple things. And we keep talking about how the most menial things in VR... Uh, some of the most exciting things you could do in VR, because like, there's no cleanup afterwards. I can smash this clay pot, and I'm not hurting anyone's feelings. That's <laughs> what the game makers wanted me to do, and I just love that. It's just so, um, it's so rewarding. Mm. So, uh,
1: a couple of things that that sort of come up now, um, just uh, off the bat, like yourself and Ferg played the game up to the same point where the sort of I guess like mm. you have a cold open that takes you up to like you go through a series of uh sort of areas and then you get to like a spot where where the sort of horizon tidal comes mm. up and you get sort of knocked out by a, a crazed woman with a rock um so there's there's stuff that sort of that I've played beyond that which I won't uh won't throw anything out there that could be uh, seen as a spoiler but uh for example there was some really great environmental puzzles that you solve by interacting with VR so like there's a section where there's a broken elevator and one of the the issues is the gears in the the mechanism are, are missing and so you literally have to go find them pick it up slot the gear onto the the sort of axle and then the elevator works again, and that was that was really quite fun, you know, mm. being able to interact in, in that way. Uh, when it comes to crafting items, so you collect sort of bits and pieces as you go through the game, and then uh, you eventually get to like a crafting table where you assemble the various bits and you get like a new device. So there's uh, the first one that you get in the game is sort of um, a series of rock climbing sort of uh, picks. So you Mm -hmm. can sort of hammer it into the wall and use those to climb up certain sections of rock. And so when you go to craft those, you actually sort of pick up the handle, you slot the blades on the top, then you've actually got to grab the rope and wind the rope around to sort of tie it all together. And so in effect, the, the developers actually made it so you're literally crafting... The device piece by piece and tying it all together, mm. so that in itself I thought was amazing, really great level of immersion. You know, like I'm I'm already envisaging in my mind like if a developer like Naughty Dog did something like that for The Last of Us, where you're mm. physically disassembling your weapons to upgrade them and stuff like that, that would just be like sick. Mm. And I, I've got no reason to believe that they wouldn't be working on something like that because. Uh, Obviously, being a first-party studio, that would um, not surprise me at all. Mm. But uh, that was great. Um, and then, like, the combat, you know, is probably the the other thing to, to talk about. So, um, I've only sort of got to a point where I've got the one weapon. It's just the uh, the bow, bow mm-hmm. and arrow, a typical sort of horizon staple. And... Um, Obviously you can you can craft different sorts of arrows for the bow and arrow, same as you can in Horizon Zero Dawn or Forbidden West. And when you go to craft those arrows, you sort of hold the bow sideways and you pick, you know, the type of arrow that you want to make, whether it's like a fire arrow, you actually pick up the blaze canister and fix it on the end. You you add the arrow tip and the fletching on the back and you actually sort of craft every component of the arrow and then and then it sort of says, oh, yeah, you've crafted 10 of these, yeah." so you you do it physically once and then you get, like, you know, however many you've got the parts for, basically. So that's pretty cool. And then once you've sort of got the bow and you're firing it at, at an enemy, like, um, you very quickly start to learn, you know, how to aim it properly mm. and then you start obviously targeting the various bits that you can knock off on the, on the enemy uh, sort of machines and all that. And... Uh, yeah I mean it gets it gets pretty hectic I know mm-hmm. um, what, what did you guys think of the watcher that you uh, you both sort of faced down at the the beginning of the game
2: yeah I thought I thought the combat worked quite good um, as far as you know using the thumbsticks for strafing and and you know timing your dodges to an attack and yeah and obviously using the bow as your main weapon trying to like you said target those those points of vulnerability I thought it quite it worked reasonably well Mm. um i mean my whole experience with the vr thing is it's it there's a there was a turning point where things became quite literal like you you have to literally do things like normally Mm. when you start playing a new game you're like well what's the button to do that or what do i need to press to do that and then after a while i thought well i'm just completely in control here i need to physically go over there and pick it up and it was the same with that combat like you know i would. Draw my bow, you know, have a shot. And then after a while, I was like, well, why am I not doing this three times faster? Mm. And so, I just cranked up the amount of arrows I was getting out there. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Doing some damage. I was sort of, I started off being like, you know, slow and steady, make sure my shots count. Then after a while, I was like, I'm just going to start ripping through the arrows here. And and so, yeah, I thought the combat was quite good, quite good it sort of
1: changes from being free to just sort of walk around to being like a little bit on rails where the, the machine that you're facing off sort of in the centre and you're sort of strafing around yeah. the outside of it in a circle, uh, taking shots at it and trying not to get hit and all yeah. of that. And um, But, you know, it, it actually works really, really well um, mm. and it, it helps to stop you from just sort of getting lost in the environment there. Like um, when you're just sort of exploring, you can sort of end up Finding yourself a bit, a bit sort of uh, in a an odd position, like where you've got to sort of recenter yourself and, and all of mm-hmm. that. So by structuring the combat the way that they have, I think you know sort of does a good job of, of countering that. Uh, what was your experience, Steely?
0: Yeah, no, pretty well, exactly the same. I mean, I I kind of went a bit more gung ho with it because I was I found that I was taking my time aiming at the targets that were presented as you were climbing the mountain, and I thought, okay, now that I've got a, a you know, a feel for this, um, I was ready for that fight. Like I was like, yeah, okay, I'm ready for this. I want to do this. This this is exciting because you, the general scope and scale of seeing these creatures that you're used to fighting in the regular games, seeing them right in front of you like that, there's something just so grand about it and it kind of puts into perspective um, how it must feel being somebody like Aloy as well, who's even shorter than the character that you play, going through and um, you know, attacking these things. And I think it really benefits with a game like that to have played the the source material first because and then as soon as I got into that battle, I was like, oh, straight for the eye. Every time I was shooting, I'm like, I want to, I want to destroy that eye that's gonna be the most damage. And I was finding myself being as quick as possible getting these arrows out and shooting, but I was also trying to be strategic and really make sure I got it in the eye and, you know, mm. waited for their attacks and things like that. And I I I don't know, it felt really natural. And that's what I think if, if a game like this in VR can make everything feel natural and fluid, that's where it shines. And I really appreciated that in that game.
1: Mm. I find from the point in time in the game where you pick up the bow and you start you know, first learning how to fire it and everything, it, it feels quite new and quite foreign. And then as you sort of play through the game, you get to a point where it just becomes like second nature and all of a sudden you're just rapid firing arrows reaching back into your quill, bang, bang, firing them off one by one and uh, all of a sudden you're taking down progressively larger and more dangerous machines. So it's um, it's really quite amazing how well uh, FireSprite have, have structured that mechanic because it works so well mm-hmm. and the learning curve from not, not ever having played VR before to all of a sudden being skilled enough to take down the the harder machines is really a very shallow learning curve. Like, it doesn't take long to get your mm-hmm. head around it, but it is still challenging as well because mm. you've got to make sure you're obviously aiming in the right places and switching arrows when you need to and all that sort of thing. So mm. um, I would say, I, previously we, we've said that Uh, there was a reviewer online who called this a fairly vanilla climbing simulator. Um, I have to wholeheartedly disagree with that assessment of this game. Mm. It was anything but vanilla. There is a huge climbing component of the game and it doesn't seem to get less the further you get through the game. Mm. However, there's nothing vanilla about this. It was really... um, it really kept my attention, kept me wanting to go back for more and really exciting to play. Um, just the, the scope and the, the scenery and every every aspect of the game has just had so much care and attention poured into it. And why wouldn't it when you consider that it's the launch title for a very mm. expensive and exciting piece of new hardware that Sony have just released? So uh, why wouldn't you want to put the the absolute cream of the crop on display for everyone?
0: Hmm. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Okay, <clears throat> so the next the next big game that we had a look at was Gran Turismo 7 VR. So uh, not a lot of meat on this bone, but um, but pretty cool. Like uh, most of the game, as you're sort of going through the menus, et cetera, they're all just flat 2D. But uh, as soon as you're in the car doing the driving, then it, it obviously switches into full VR mode and you're literally in the car that you're driving around. Um I I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was Mm -hmm. a new, a very new and and cool take on the driving genre. Um, Because you're in the seated position, if you sort of lean a bit too far to the left or right or even forward or back, that can sort of take you out of it because it sort of says, oh, you know, you've reached the boundary Mm -hmm. of your play area. Um, And that sort of was a bit annoying at some time. So when you set up the play area initially, it's important to sort of set it in the right spot so you're not moving out of that area too much. But... um, yeah, all in all, I thought it was pretty good.
2: Yeah, yeah, pretty decent. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good as well. I think um, I just love just the minimalistic interface that you don't have. You, you want to know how fast you're going, you got to look at the dashboard. Mm. And like I, I played, <clears throat> I can't remember what car I was driving, but it was something from like the 60s. So it was an old school car. So it was like, it was just cool looking at the old school dash and how many miles am I going and, and stuff like that. I think for the racing fans, I think the best way to experience this will be with a steering wheel and with the the gear stick and stuff like that yeah. i mean we used yeah, just the sure. controller which is which was fine i actually had a go at you know a bit like i think on the on switch games where you can like you know it's got the it knows when you're turning the wheel so instead yeah. of you know the using the, yeah, yeah instead of using you know you basically use your um, l2 and r2 for your accelerating and braking and the actual controlling is not with thumbsticks it's with moving your control around like it's a steering wheel so Mm. i mean that was serviceable but i think if you really wanted to get the most out of it steering would be the way to go and i reckon there'll be plenty of people who are into racing and racing sims that'll have all that kit and yeah just feeling like you're sitting in the car awesome
1: yeah absolutely uh what about what about you Mm -hmm. simo uh what what was your thoughts on it
0: I think I remember saying to you at this point when we were paused in the game, and I said to you, "Is this the only mode that I can play? Because I'm not playing online. Because I, I, I kind of already knew that it was. I was playing the beat mode or whatever." Yeah. Um. I paused it and I was looking around, and I, and I think I remember saying to you that you know what this, both of these experiences or all of these experiences feel like to me, is that I am in a, an incredibly lucid dream, because mm. things don't look perfect by all means but you are convinced as shit that you're there. (laughs) You're convinced. Like, without it being perfect, you're like, I can see trees in the distance that I feel like I'm going to go there after and have a scone, you know, like at the cafe that's underneath (laughs) that. Or, you know, like you just feel like you're there. You are convinced. And I find that to be a, a huge feat. As much as I, I disagree with a formula of Gran Turismo 7 and what they've done with the game and how they've released it, and yada, 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 you can't fault the experience that it gives you in VR. No, it's um, fantastic. By all means.
1: And, uh, you yeah, know, one of the things that I thought was, was probably, you know, the best about it, because you've got the VR headset on, you've got a different screen for each eye. It sort of puts you in like that three D sort of like watching a three D movie, and there was like a depth of field mm. effect. So you've got the, the the steering wheel sitting you know sort of close to you, but then you, know, you can actually see that there's a there's a distance behind that and the dashboard mm. and everything looks you know so realistic because you're getting that depth of field that you don't get when you're just playing it on your normal TV. Yeah. Um, so all of yep. that, I thought, just looked that much more incredible um, in that VR mode. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, really good. So um, the next one that we we all had to go out was Swordsman VR. So this was a PS4 title that was adapted to PSVR2, and uh, we well, I've I've tried it um, in in there's there's like a sandbox mode where you can just sort of spawn enemies and weapons and just sort of go your hardest and just do whatever you want and there's also like a a mode where you play through a series of challenges that get progressively harder to progress the story so um uh initially i had it set up so you you're doing it with armor physics enabled and uh it's it's not so fun because when you start playing against knights and that your swords tend to bounce off you got to sort of aim for the gaps in the armor to try and kill them uh, but yeah, when uh, when Simon was around, we we turned the armor physics off and just went our hardest. And I've now uh, I've I've posted a little video to to the discerning gamer YouTube channel, and uh, I've shared it on our Facebook page as well. So go and check that out, and you'll see um, you know what what swordsman VR is all about. Um, it's pretty gory. Uh, so I'll, I'll say that right off the back because uh, it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I, I got a few. Uh, a few sort of uh, comments from my wife in the background when when I had the the uh, visual <laughs> feed uh, displayed on the TV, and they were quite horrified. <laughs> Chopping that, arms uh, and legs off. Oh yeah, um, but uh, but this this game, it's just something about it. Like the graphics don't look anywhere near no. uh, up to par compared to uh, Horizon, uh, and you know, you'd have to reason that it's because it's an older title that's been ported from the previous generation to current gen but um i don't know there's just something about it and taking the sword and just stabbing someone through the guts or through the head or you know chopping (laughs) a limb off it's just so bloody satisfying and um then adding to that the fact that you can pick up the head off the floor and throw it at someone or pick up their body and sort of hold them up and use them like a human shield uh, if you want to. Um, or, or even just something as, as morbid as, as just sort of once you've actually killed someone, then just going up and giving a few uh, <laughs> post-mortem uh, pokes in uh, sensitive areas sure. with, your, with your sword. <laughs> so uh, uh, all of that was, was really quite... Quite fun, and um, I mean, I know, I know your experience with it, Simo, was was pretty similar. You were uh, uh, oh absolutely God. losing it at my place. Uh, at I Raleigh. was in
0: fits. Yeah, watching you. There was this one point where you just walked towards a guy with your sword, and you didn't even swing it at him, <laughs> and you just walked into him with it, and it's gone straight <laughs> through his throat. <laughs> in the, at the back of his head, <laughs> I've just lost it because he just—it was so nice and slow. You know, it was just like, "Oh, get <laughs> you man!" Goes, oh, fuck! <laughs> walked into me sword, did you? It was just so funny. Like, mm. and then all the rest of it—just every time you'd kill someone, you'd you'd put your sword in their dick and you'd do it so slowly. Oh, right. but it was just so funny because it,
3: slowly. Wouldn't they fight back?
0: No, because oh, they're, they're dead. dead. Oh, so JB was me. just walking up to them and going, huh? Oh, that's <laughs> like a well-trained <laughs> surgeon uh. is going in to give a bloody... Cut, cut the foreskin off at the... Oh. Impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it was yeah. very, very really fun. satisfying game. Mm. Really satisfying.
1: What yeah. about your, your thoughts, Ferg? Because uh, you, you played it as well. What did yeah. you
2: think? Definitely a bit of fun. Um, I'll be honest, this is not a game I could see myself playing 10 hours of, but... Just for, you know, shits and gigs when you got people around. It's good for a bit of fun. Uh, this was the first game where I did notice the heart rate going up a little bit because this is obviously, out of all the games I played, the most physical one where you're, you know, swinging arms and, you know, at different points you just, you know, because you basically die, respawn, you're just like, oh, I'll try a different tactic of taking someone down and that's just aimlessly just wailing your arms all over the place to see what happens. So this, is, this one got my my heart rate up i think this out of all the games i played this was the only one where this chord of the vr2 sort of came into play i think Mm. in horizon call of the mountain for the most part i sort of kept a 180 sort of sphere and if i had to do a full 360 i'd use the controllers to sort of spin myself around with this game i found that you would basically you know kill an enemy and then the next one would spawn directly behind you so you nearly have to turn around on the spot and a few times i then started noticing just the cord sort of touching my leg or having to be conscious of tripping over this thing and um not a big issue but again
1: it does sort of pull you out of the experience yeah because uh once you're sort of conscious of the cord hanging down your back and everything it's it is a distraction from the the world that you're trying to experience yeah. in virtual reality. So, yeah. Um, and I think the
2: other point tr- uh, would's worth making as well, this was probably because your arms are flying around, this is the one where I was, you know, out of the immersion a little bit because I was like, shit, I don't want to put my arm through JB's bloody light here or, you know punch one of the kids on the couch or something so i was a bit more conscious around not going too crazy so yeah it's definitely if you are considering getting one it's probably something that you definitely need to think about having a good designated space because if you've got maybe i can't remember what the sort of area is you can have outside the next biggest one from sitting down it could it's essentially like a one meter by one meter.
1: like you're basically standing in a spot yeah you've got a small circle of of room around you to move and you, the idea is that you're not walking anywhere. Yeah, you're just you just turning on the spot and just basically doing everything from that standing position.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, something definitely worth considering because, like I said, these games you can fly your arms around and do all sorts of stuff and, yeah, something to think about, just making sure you've got enough room and, um, yeah, but mm. a lot of fun. It's, you know, there's nothing more satisfying than... Just ch- lobbing someone's legs off.
1: Ah, oh, absolutely love that. Absolutely. <laughs> so the last the last one that we we had a look at, um, which was Pavlov uh, VR. This this is a PS five title um, that uh, basically it's it's like a, a run and gun, um, similar to like a like a Call of Duty or a Counter Strike type type game where you're you're playing online against other players and running around, gunning them down. There's a there's like a plant the bomb, disarm the bomb mode. Um, the mode that I played most of was um, this particular mode where you're running around, and every time you kill an enemy, the gun in your hand changes to a different gun, so you get to experience quite a few different different guns and weapons in the game. Um, I don't reckon I had this when you were around, um, no. No. Ferg, but uh, Simo and I certainly gave it a go. Um now this this one in particular um, leverages the the haptics that are built into the VR headset itself. So when you get shot by an enemy, the headset vibrates, mm. and it actually scared me a couple of times because I you know I like I get shot and you feel it vibrate and you're like oh mm. fuck mm. you know like it really um, <laughs> it, it it probably takes that level of immersion to that next level and you actually mm. sort of like oh shit oh, yeah I've got I've been hit here. Um, so, so that, that was cool, but you know, you've obviously got to get used to it and not let that freak you out too much. Um, the mechanics for the grenades in this game were amazing. So you pick up a grenade off your vest, you actually get the other hand over, pull the pin out, nice. then you can push another button to flick the 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 top of the grenade off and let and start, you know, cooking the grenade, and then you throw it at the end and, mm. and you know and when you don't sort of do it properly, you, you explode yourself and there's blood and guts everywhere, which is uh, which is always good. Um, but, but I thought that was really well thought out. That uh, seems to work really well. And uh, the other thing, the other big feature that I liked on this is so when you end up picking up a, a rifle or something that has a scope, like a sniper rifle, you've actually got to hold the rifle up and look through the scope like you would a mm. real rifle. It's not like you can push a button and all of a sudden you've switched view to like a scope view or, mm. or whatever. No, you've actually got to hold the rifle up, look through the scope like a real rifle, and pick mm. off the enemy. Mm. And, uh, yeah, amazing. Mm. Um, what was your your thoughts on it, Simo? What, what did you like and what didn't you like on Pavlov? This game was
0: genuinely... Anxiety-inducing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for, like it really was because I think that when you are walking around, you see like a soldier walking through. It, it was like watching body cam footage. You know, you see a soldier come down a hallway, and you're like, "Holy shit, he's after me!" and mm. and it freaks you out a little bit. And you, come, but then you realise, oh, they're not real. And mm. it is, you constantly have to keep telling yourself that, which I find is just great work on the on in, in the games um like in the developers uh point of view or, i mean mm. for the experience anyway found there was a lot of uh pop in um which i found a little bit off putting it kind of it just removes you from the situation a little bit there's a lot of pop in mm. um which i mean not a big deal but uh, that that kind of put me off at times particularly um, I on found some that- of the
1: bigger maps like the one that looked like it was sort of uh stalingrad during world war ii where all the buildings yeah, were yeah, sort of yeah. a bit destroyed that was really quite noticeable there
0: yeah yeah um but I, the thing that i um at the start i found it really bizarre that the game had default controls to um to basically to lock toggle uh how you grab things so i'd only have to touch a button and then i'll grab the gun whereas what I found to be useful that we did a little bit later on last night, JB, when we turned the controls to actually having to hold on to those buttons to hold the gun and stuff, it made it feel a lot more natural and fluid. And mm. that's when I started to really have fun with the game. Is when I was removing magazines and I was like letting go of buttons to throw the magazine away and then grabbing it off my holster and putting it back in and actually holding on to those buttons when you get used to it it just feels more fluid and it puts the, the immersion factor up to 100 um and i found that um each of the guns handled really well but the thing that kind of frustrated me with each of them is that because it was so realistic that i would every time i'd get a new gun i'd have to figure out okay wait, well, how do i reload this one like because i'm not a guns man i don't i don't you know, like I don't know anything about these guns apart from the fact that generally I press square and they reload. And so having to go to my thing and figure out, okay, where does the magazine come from? And if I can't remove it manually, I have to then remember to press circle to pop it out and then pop it back in. And then I have to remember to then, um, you know, reload it at the top and, and empty the barrel and things like that. Those little things as as cool as they are in the heat of a moment in a, you know, online multiplayer Team deathmatch scenario, it's just like it feels a little clunky. But um, having said that, uh, I still really enjoyed the experience. I think there was that's that to me, that's how I would play a first-person shooter. I think that that is the the future of first-person shooters when they nail down that formula of how making it feel a lot more fluid. Um, I'd easily love to see a, a Call of Duty experience. In that that to me would be uh way better than just playing it a uh, you know in in general you know a normal game that you play on the tv because oh, yeah. by all means i think that vr wouldn't just would never be able to take over regular gaming because there are games that i just wouldn't play in vr like i'd, I'd never want to play mario in vr i never want to play zelda in vr i mean like i'd want to play things that are uh, tailored to be first person shooters in vr or i'd you know other kind of unique experiences um things that kind of i could see myself wanting to do in real life not wanting to experience all around me you know what i mean so Mm. i I think that it's the future for first person shooters for sure and it really demonstrated that for me
1: yeah i mean i i think that some games lend themselves to the vr formula and and are are good but I can't see it ever replacing traditional gaming altogether because there are there are still no. some games that I would rather sit myself on the couch and just play with a reg- regular controller without having to be so interactive. I guess, but um, it's it's amazing in terms of the different experience that it gives you over just traditional gaming. Like, um, yeah, it's it's really quite incredible. Um, so obviously the uh, the bundle, the PSVR two bundle in Australia with Call of the Mountains about nine hundred and fifty something dollars, and without it's about eighty dollars cheaper without the game. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty bloody chuffed with it. I mean, yes, the the cost was was pretty pretty high, um, but so far um, I haven't really been. Very disappointed by it, so I, mm. I thoroughly recommend it to anyone who can afford the, the entry fee to, to get into to it because, in. uh, man, there's some some cool shit out there. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to throw over to you, Ferg, now
2: for a bit of news. What do you got? A bit of news. Uh, not quite hot off the press. This is maybe going back a couple of weeks, but for anyone that missed us, missed it, some news in the handheld gaming world. Asus. Mm has announced its own foray into the world of handheld gaming PCs with the Asus ROG Ally, the culmination of the company's years of experience in portable PC gaming performance. So, I'm reading from a Press Start article by Kieran Verbrugge. Um, Yes. It's a clear... Tell us, Kieran. Tell us... (laughs) It's a clear competitor to Valve's Steam Deck, and like that device, it'll give players a viable way to play their PC games on the go on a portable handheld device. The ROG Ally will use Windows 11 and Asus Armoury Crate software to manage game libraries from multiple platforms as well as, well as offer high-spec performance and features at a, an in, <laughs> in commas, competitive price. <laughs> Of course, the big question will be availability and price point. So far, the Asus has only flagged US and Canadian retailer Best Buy to carry the device at release. But if it can get the allied to Australian stores, it'll at least have one big advantage over the Steam Deck locally. So they delivered a bit of a. Well, what was quite amusing—they delivered basically a press release and a trailer on that was released on April's Fool's full, Day, and no one took them seriously. So, if you go and I read know. any of their stuff, their press articles and their videos, in the first line is like, "It's not an April Fool's joke." So, yeah. that was quite funny, but. They had this to say. (laughs) At Zeus ROG, we're always pushing the boundaries of gaming, constantly striving for better performance in smaller devices. From convertible laptops, tablets to controllers and even smart lenses, nothing has ever stopped us from going further and harder. We're now combining all our know-how into one single device, introducing the Asus ROG Ally, ROG's first handheld console. You'll never have to stop gaming again. So we haven't been given... We've well, been giving some- You will have to stop gaming when you go to work or school. Yeah, when you fall
1: asleep. Or digitally. when you
0: take a piss or when you shit.
1: <laughs> well, you yeah, absolutely. You
0: have to stop when you wipe. You can't just play, well, you can't play yeah, fucking- I suppose
1: you don't really have to
2: stop when you're taking a shit. If yeah. um, I mean, No, if you
0: but if you ever want to wipe your ass, you're taking your hand off the Oh, thing. man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: So, I mean, Fair they've enough. released a few specs, but um, a lot of that stuff has been kept quiet for the time being, but they are sort of, what are they saying? They're saying that it's going to have the double the performance of the Steam Deck, double the resolution, um, so I think mm-hmm. when the specs come out, it's going to be, yeah, something a bit more fancy than the Steam Deck, so we'll see what that means for price point if and when it ever gets to Australia, but... I think the more competitors in this sort of market the better um and obviously now is a bit of a race for them to make it available locally um i mean the neo' has been out for a while you have been able to get a steam deck through australian retailers for a while so you can get one if you really want but um mm. yeah we'll just see when we uh, hear a bit more about this one but definitely it looks like a cool device if they can you know get that value for money somewhere between the a neo which you know the top of the line there is about two grand the steam deck will probably be somewhere around seven fifty for the base model if they can sit somewhere in the middle they might um yeah might have a good go at pinching some of the market share but we'll mm. wait and we'll wait and see
1: well one of the benefits uh to being in the video game podcasting arena mm. is that uh, we're privy to certain certain information and uh so uh, ASUS uh, gave us a, a copy of the specs, and uh, oh, nice. you know, just to just to stir the pot a little bit, I decided to uh, take those specs and share them uh, with <laughs> with Valve and get their their comment in terms of how they thought it compared to the Steam Deck. And uh, here's the here's the response. That's not true. That's impossible. Hmm. <laughs> Not uh, not. Was a... really, I was really, I was
0: really hoping you were going to open with the sound bite of no dick, no balls, and probably no butthole. But that's fine. That's fine. It, it, that was just as good. But I, re- you disappointed me a little bit. Well, and, you and you just... do
1: love the uh, the no dick, no balls, and probably no butthole uh, bite
0: Mainly because it reminds me of myself.
1: <laughs> well, okay. Uh, that's slightly disturbing. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks, Ferg. We'll throw over to Steely now. We, we'll have to uh, keep the uh, the potty rolling along. Uh, with- oh,
0: and I'm going to shoot some stuff at you like a hot potter. Come on. Here we go. I wasn't going to say it, and then I thought I would. Here we go, everyone. Some news headlines for the week. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Suicide Toy Squad Jesus. killed the Justice League Thank you for that. A little bit of a late, um, late, um, <laughs> down bite there. Rece- uh, receives a major delay to 2024. So, after I think an overwhelming and, and resounding negative response to the gameplay shown at the recent Sony State of Play, Rocksteady have decided to delay this pathetic excuse for an Arkham Knight sequel till February 2024. So, once again, once again, fucking up our overs and unders for the year. But uh, uh, we'll have to revisit uh, improving- that one in
2: 12 months, won't we? Fuck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully proving that rocksteady are listening and making some much needed changes to that game. Um next up, next up. Tears of the Kingdom final trailer came out this week. 3 mm. minutes of new details were shown such as the confirm comp com- as the confirmation the confirmed return of the return of the Demon King ganondorf everyone so mm. fucking yeah something implied in in most of the trailers up to this point um although this trailer shows a hell of a lot it was still just enough to moisten my lips and prepare <laughs> me for penetration i'm very excited <laughs> oh, very excited yeah. everyone looks so, good. um next up next up Redfall, early gameplay, looks like a disaster. I don't know Mm, if anybody saw this, but IGN proving that it's IGN First's marketing campaigns that they've been doing as of late for new games is yet again a really, really, really bad way to create hype for games um, because it just doesn't. Uh, Much in the same way that IGN First's made Sonic Frontiers look so boring that it prematurely ejaculated everybody's reviews of the game before it came out, (laughs) including myself. Um, Redfall showed off some poor gameplay played by an underskilled player um, yeah. at IGN, leaving Ooh. people feeling underwhelmed to say the least. Um, and then add to to add salt to this wound, devs of Redfall Arcane Studios then confirmed this week that the game would be capped at 30 FPS on Xbox Series consoles at launch, with 60 FPS coming in a future update. Now, let me just say this. <laughs> If you can't get your fucking vanilla online shooter game running at sixty FPS at launch, launch the fucking game into the sun. Oh fucking hell! Next up. Uh, just just Next on up. that
2: on that Steely because I did oh, watch okay. that. What an absolute shambles! I I was watching yeah. this thinking, a hey, what is the person playing this game doing? And B, what is this mm. person playing this game doing? Like it the game doesn't look like much fun. I don't think I've seen anything out yeah. of Redfall which has got me excited for the game. And then they released that and he it was so strange. Like at one point he was shooting an enemy, he took about half the health and then ran off. And he, like I was just like, what is going on? So anyway, sorry, they were my thoughts. I just thought mm, just, I was no, bamboozled. Thank you
0: for enlightening us, Ferg, Because <laughs> I didn't watch it. I just oh. I've watched everybody else react about it. But I <laughs> You're now the next person that I've heard react about it, and I appreciate your opinion. It You're just not, solidifies not the fact that I never want to play this fucking game, yeah. Uh, uh, it'll, uh, be,
1: uh, so- it'll be going straight onto the same, into the, sun, of- apparently. <laughs> the same pile of refuse that Gotham Knights lives on.
0: <laughs> oh, Next to the bin of the Wii U. Um, (laughs) So the next up, the Zelda themed Splatfest is coming soon to Splatoon 3 for everyone still playing Splatoon 3. To celebrate the launch of Tears of the Kingdom, Splatoon will be asking the question, Power, Wisdom or Courage? Um, now, I know what I'm choosing. I'm choosing just wait to play the fucking Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> I can't be fucked with this. Um, I miss the good old days when Splatfest asked me about what ice cream flavor I preferred. It felt personal. It was divisive. It felt passionate, um, which, you know, uh, whatever. But uh, anyway, um What is your favorite ice cream steely? To play... Uh I am just a classic, really rich chocolate guy. Because no. it can't get rich enough, can't get rich enough. It's nice. gonna be, it's gonna be just before melting as well, and you just got to lick it with your lips, <laughs> And no teeth. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, you know, I find the best
1: way to enjoy ice cream is
0: no dick, <laughs> no balls, and probably no butthole since this guy feeds on radiation. Yep. <laughs> Yum. Um, but uh, we can expect to play this. May fifth <laughs> with a the triforce theme stage as well. So whoop fucking do! You made a triangle stage. Well done. Um. So excellent. Uh. Now last on my list. Uh. Last but not least, Cyberpunk 2077 has received its latest graphics patch with the Overdrive Ray Tracing mode. Now this truly brings the game into the next generation. If you have something powerful enough mm. to run the fucking thing, mm. um so Digital Foundry demonstrated this week that you would need some serious hardware to run this thing past 40 frames per second or with the help of Nvidia's DLSS technology which can send you all the way up to 90 frames per second Wow! having said all mm. that it, it it does look impressive uh, visually and um, having taken a step into Night City just recently, I, I did I played it everyone mm. I'm not lying <laughs> Nice. Um, I played Cyberpunk 2077 recently. I did delete it, and I'm not going to play it ever again. <laughs> um, but not... But <laughs> hear hell. me out. Hear me Emotional out. Emotional damage. Poor this CD Projekt Red. This be the idea... Hey? I said, poor I CD Projekt Red. No, I'm not trying to... I'm Look, listen to me here. Listen to my lips. All right, I'm listening. This would almost almost be the ideal way to play this game. That was before I tried PSVR 2. Now, you can, both of you, having played Cyberpunk 2077, both of you could not tell me that that game mm. would be, would actually be perfection in PSVR 2. Oh,
1: That's the amazing. way
0: I would want to play that game. Because let me tell you, there's a couple of things I really didn't like about it quickly. The game, pl- don't huff and puff at me, wife. <laughs> The gameplay, um, as far as the gunplay, I found to be a little bit sloppy because they—it's an RPG, obviously. They want you to get better at game, gunplay as time goes on. Um, fair enough, but I found that to be really off-putting. Whereas in a in an area like VR, that would be totally acceptable. Mm. Um, and then just the the tone that that game sets, I think, is fantastic. I found myself just absolutely engrossed in the world but to have that world all around you would just make it so much better. Mm. So um I that's the thing I'm hoping for if this gets a PSVR 2 sort of uh, update this game at some point um I'm I'm over to your place again JB to to walk around in Night City mm. on top Specs that the mm. PS5 won't be able to run because it's not a up you know high grade PC, but um, not all bad things that I can say about Cyberpunk 2077. I didn't hate it, I just didn't really like it either, mm. and so I'll never play it again. But there we go. That's the news of the week, everyone. Well, now you've fantastic. seen it. Now you've fantastic. heard about it.
1: Mm. Thanks, Simo. Uh, I'm just imagining now waking up mm. in uh, Night City in PSVR and just looking up at your your mm. your mother and.
2: Google, show me this guy's balls, please. <laughs> uh, okay, that was, wow. that was the wrong time. <laughs> 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 oh,
1: that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> waking up, looking up at your
2: mother and asking Google to show you someone's balls. I reckon, uh, still, he's on a winner put that into action I mean Cyberpunk 2077 and VR we that'd be amazing I could imagine some of the interface stuff as well that they could build into the headset around you know implants and stuff like that it'd be mm. fantastic yeah just the the pulsing music with the yeah there it wake is. up mommy <laughs> I just pissed the bird imagine like walking around with Keanu Reeves and yeah
1: with yeah your- that'd be nice your enormous you know cock out
2: uh- yeah That's it, your man, Yeah, Fantastic. At at that point, it'd be cheaper than going and getting a bloody, I don't know, 4090 RTX at three, four grand or whatever they're worth. Your VR would be cheap in comparison to have that experience.
1: Absolutely. Mm.
2: Yeah. Nice, Steely. Yum. Now for At The Movies with C-Mac. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, C-Mac's got a bit of
3: news,
2: everyone. At The Movies with C-Mac. C Mac and David, or whoever it used to be on the ABC. What, what have you got for a C Mac?
3: Oh yeah, sorry. Oh, I'm here. Yeah, hello. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah so let's. Unless... Spending your time in the movies, everyone. Sorry, I just, I just came back from the movies.
0: Just came back from the movies just, the movies just
3: then. <laughs> just then. So. Just now. Uh, yeah. Just so, so yeah, shut up. So unless you've been living under a rock. You would have seen or heard that Super Mario Bros. movie was released on April 6th. So, last week... <laughs> or... Yahoo,
0: Who's seen it? Right.
3: Who went and saw it? Did you see it, Ferg?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we've all seen it. Oh. all seen it.
3: Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Excellent. Awesome. Yeah. So, really has me impressed, that movie. It's been sh- shattering box office records, raking up over five mil- five million, no, 500 million yeah. no why wire at five. $500 million worldwide and it's becoming one of the highest grossing films for this year and the biggest grossing film for any video game adaptation ever in history. Mm. So we went and saw it the other day, um, the day after, <laughs> re- oh, day after release with our son. And um, I'm so glad he let us watch it all because it, it almost looked like we weren't going to be able to hang around because he yeah. couldn't cope with it. But um yeah, we, we, we got to the end and it definitely lives up to the hype. You know, not only is the movie visually stunning, it's just jam-packed full of Nintendo Easter eggs, mm. just an amazing soundtrack and that real nostalgic hit that we were hoping for, contrary to some reviews that say that it doesn't have any kind of nostalgia to it. It's just for little kids. I, I don't think so. Everyone I've spoken to has absolutely loved it. Mm. Um and yeah, so it's just absolutely gone crazy. It, it's just going insane. This movie, I think it's gone above and beyond what Illumination and Nintendo thought it would. Um, and yeah, another funny and sort of amazing accomplishment from this movie is the original song sung by Jack Black, who plays Bowser, in the la- love ballad he does to Princess Peach. Mm-hmm. Do you have the little sample of it, Joel? I do. Peach. Peaches. This one. Right. Yeah
0: is from my one and only true love Princess Peach <laughs> Peach You're so cool
3: and with my star we're gonna rule
0: Peach Understand Fuck I'm yeah Till to to <laughs> the very end till the very end Peaches 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 peaches, peaches. Peaches, yeah. Peaches, peaches, peaches. Ah, oh, yeah. 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 this is definitely going to get taken down from Spotify. Too many, just well over eight seconds of that song. Fair
2: Fuck. enough. We'll be right. Oh
3: yeah, we'll be, we'll be fine. Um, sorry. Yeah, I was, I was, really, I was enjoying it. We loved when that that song came on. It was, it was so unexpected. <laughs> Not not really, for Jack Black, but really, it, yeah. it, i I was very take like taken aback by it. I thought, oh, this is very unusual for this movie. It doesn't make sense because Bowser's singing. But mm. it was just really, really good. And I, it's funny. I've read a press start article about five days ago that was talking about this song saying it had almost reached two million listens on Spotify. And I went to check that number again tonight just to make sure it still was around two million. And it's almost made 11, 11 million listens, had 11 million listens since five days ago, which is just, that's insane. You know, there's, a, there's even talk about the song being nominated for best original songs, the best <laughs> original song, the Oscars. Oh my goodness.
2: Oscars, like
3: it's only like a, what a two, one to two minute flip. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there's a YouTube video channel. A uh, YouTube video, a YouTube channel called Lyrical Lemonade, who made a music video featuring Jack Black singing the song in a bright green jacket, suit jacket, and a weird black helmet thing with red hair. Obviously, being Bowser, <laughs> and it's had 13.1 million views. And um, the the official music clip of the video um from clips from the actual movie on the Illumination Nintendo has had 9.4 million views in about 5 days. So <laughs> I think it's all very well deserved. I think it's quite surprising to them how successful this movie has become. But you know, it was a really fun, great, well-made movie and I'm looking for the looking forward to the inevitable sequel that's going to mm. come out, which I'm guessing why wouldn't you on that on that money train just keep chugging. Yeah. Um but yeah, what did you guys think of who saw it? Oh, well, everyone saw it, actually. Like, Do you think it's worth the hype and reviews that it's getting?
1: I thought it was fantastic. I mean, thoroughly enjoyed it. The kids thoroughly enjoyed it. It was just a great bloody ride. <laughs> Certainly um, uh, a lot better ride than the Mario <laughs> movie that came out when I was uh, a young, uh, a young lad, uh, which really, yeah, yeah it, it just really <laughs> sucked. Um, so... Uh yeah, it was it was fantastic and deserves all the all the praise that it's been getting.
2: Yeah, I I really enjoyed it as well. I just thought it was just great fun. Um hmm. yeah, there was plenty of nostalgia there for me. Throwbacks to a lot of the games, so many good characters in there. Yeah, I just thought it was overall just a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, it's interesting the metacritic and what the critics are sort of saying of it. I mean, if if you think you're going in there to see anything more than a bit of lighthearted fun, like you're going in there for massive plot and depth and all this sort of <laughs> stuff, you're probably going to be disappointed. But if you take it for face value yeah. and what it is, it's it was yeah, no, great fun. Yeah, they're talking
3: about, yeah, how it's <laughs> lacking story and stuff. I'm like, have you ever played a Mario game? If anything, this is very steeped in story <laughs> yeah. compared to a Mario Absolutely. game. So Yeah, I, I, I had better, yeah, it, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I just love how this film captures... Every aspect of the the essence of Mario. Mm. Right down to the... to I actually really liked the performance of Chris Pratt. I really liked Charlie Day as Luigi. I absolutely adored him as Luigi, actually. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy was fantastic as Peach. Jack Black kills it as Bowser. And Seth Rogen actually is quite believable as Donkey Kong. Mm. Um, I mean, Keegan-Michael Key is a fantastic toad. There is just, I I feel like that now hear me out here. We all were just like, I think the whole world was kind of bemused and confused by the casting of this film, but they couldn't have got it more right. Mm. I think it works really, really well. Um, And I, I mean, I just can't wait to watch it again and again. It's one of those things you can watch. It, as much as you can play a Mario game, you can watch this movie again and again and again and find new things to enjoy about it and new things to spot in it that you haven't seen yet and um, like little Easter eggs to find constantly. But I think that it's it's a cultural phenomenon, you know, to, to have so many generations of people that can enjoy a film because it's a collective experience that we've all had at some point in our, in our lives. If you're a gamer, you know, from the point of when it came out in the eighties to now, um, you know, our kids love Mario as much as we love Mario. And I find that to be absolutely incredible. It's not just like this new thing. It's this thing that we've all grown up with and we get to, pass it on to our kids and I just I love that. Yeah. I think it's just a really well done project and I look forward to what comes next. Mm. Yeah. Be here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm I'm having a look
2: at Metacritic at the moment. So the user score is eight point seven with a thousand and ten ratings. So I think that speaks volumes because generally places like Metacritic are just, you know, a graveyard for game, movie, music bashing. So the fact that yeah, eight point seven, that's a fantastic score. So yeah, a lot of people yeah. loving it.
1: Well done, uh Super Mario. Alright, well that yeah. takes us to this week's novelty segment. I
3: know
0: what boys like. I know yeah. what I know what boys like. What are we gonna talk boys about this right. week? Yeah. Like You'll find out right now.
1: So, this week on The Discerning Gamer, we are talking favourite gaming soundtracks, uh, which, you know, it's a it's a topic that's near and dear to the hearts of many video game players. There wouldn't be too many video game players out there that wouldn't have a favourite piece or pieces of video gaming music. And uh, so, to kick things off, uh, we're going to go to Casey C. Mac McLaughlin, for her favourite piece of video game music. Take it away,
3: Casey. Yes. Yes, so because I've got such a shocking, terrible memory, I often think of things that I've just recently played (laughs) as my favourite thing. (laughs) Um, So I picked the Chia soundtrack. (laughs) We just played that. Um, I was even saying to Simon while we were playing how beautiful the soundtrack and music was, and it actually is one of the few games where... I can remember a lot of the music and it stood out to me a lot and I think the music actually plays a massive role within the game rather than just sort of setting the scene so you're actually able to play along your ukulele with certain songs in rhythm-based games to earn rewards and all the music was so steeped in New Caledonian culture so um with the voice recording sung by locals of the community there so that made it feel even more special to me the music and you know I often felt very moved with each song which was being played within the game because you could tell it was performed traditionally as they would sing it -hmm. sing Mm -hmm. it there and um the soundtrack was done by musical composer John Robert Matz and um, you're able to listen to all of the 64 songs. There's a lot on Spotify now. So um, yeah, one of the particular songs that really stuck out to me and particularly Simon was called Um Song Song Two. La- oh, how do you say it? Lapa La-
0: La- Lapa La- P-
3: La- Lapa Yeah. And um, which is a song you sing with your father and then
2: again.
3: Hmm. yeah yeah and um it, it's see that's one of the more um higher what do you call them? not higher what do you call them? um happier yeah. songs
0: in the vibrant very vibrant and nice vibrant story. that's
3: a good yeah. word i'm losing yeah. yeah so yeah all the music there was a particular one i really wanted to get a sound bite of but i couldn't for the life of me find it but um of this when you're sailing on the um on the ocean and I don't know every it's a particular
0: part of the game, but I oh, I know. Just, what yeah, you're
3: I'll have to replay the game. It. But yeah, and then some of the songs are sung by the characters. Oh, what's the girl's name? Um, Cheer. not you. The yeah. other <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> her no. friend. Um. Oh, whatever. No. But um, she sings this beautiful song about a bird in it, and um, mm. yeah. I I honestly didn't even bother with the rhythm games. I just because I, you can actually just um skip through that like playing it you can just listen and watch it. Yeah. And I ended up just doing that because I wanted to read the, because um, I sing obviously in a different language. So I wanted to read the captions to actually see what, read what was actually being sung
0: about. But yeah. um, it enriches it so much. Yeah. It's <clears>
3: incredible soundtrack. I encourage everyone to just have a quick listen, even if it's not for the whole song, just yeah, to the music. I just really, really caught me because I think because it was done with such love, this game, and it was such a, um, traditional culturally invested mm. <laughs> indie game they put a lot of effort and a lot of this game is is focused on the music. So yeah I chose Chia. Mm,
1: nice. Fantastic. Thank nice. you. Alright to but... uh, Ferg, what have you got for us?
2: Oh what have I got for you, JB? Try this on for size. Mate, it doesn't get any better than this. I've got the Halo soundtracks. Specifically Whoa. one to four.
0: A lot
1: of sort of Gregorian chant sort of in the background there, you know. Oh, mate. Epic. Yeah, when the drums come in. Oh, Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does crank along a bit, doesn't it? Oh mate. So good. So <clears throat> of recent times, as in the last month, me and my brother, P Ham, shout out to P Ham, big, big fan of the show. We've gone back and we're going through the Master Chief collection. So playing, you know, Combat Evolved all the way up to Halo Four. Um and I think it was the first time we were sort of getting around to playing it, and I was waiting for him to fire up the game, and I was just sitting in, basically in the in the the menu of Combat Evolved, and I was just listening to this soundtrack, and I'm just like, this I hadn't listened to it, I heard about heard it for a long time, and I am like, this is as good as it gets. I mean, Martin O'Donnell, Michael Salvatore from Bungie, did the soundtracks for all of the Halo games they produced, so Halo Combat Evolved all the way through to Halo Reach, and Every single one, bangers. Mm. They're just, they're so good. Everything from like that sort of stuff in the in the menus to once you get into, you know, missions and you're playing through, I don't know, a precarious bit where you're, I don't know, escaping or something and the music just intertwines into the game so well. And yeah. just, I don't know, for its time, just playing it back in the day on the Xbox it was just something else. And I don't know, if you're not familiar with them, If you just go to YouTube and search for Halo menu music and just get all four games in a row and just have a listen to them, they're just unbelievable. So, can't beat it. It's, yeah, so good still to this day. And even their um, sort of work that those guys did later on with Destiny and Destiny 2, I think they did as well. Always fantastic sound stuff. So, Mm, Bangers, a lot
0: of them.
1: Bangers,
2: all of them.
0: Thanks for that, Ferg. (laughs) Uh,
1: Simo, what do you got for us?
0: Oh-ha! Well, first of all, I just want to say um, that one of my favorite soundtracks across these two games is Jet Set Radio and Jet Set Radio Future, respectively. Mm-hmm. Now, what I what I love most about Jet Set Radio and its sequel is not the gameplay, it's not the story, it's not the banging art style, it's the fucking music, man. Um, I've got to tell you, uh, Hideki. Naganuma is an absolute legend, just an absolute fucking genius. I mean, I, I say I say all that, but I mean, I, I play Jet Set Radio over and over again because of the way the game marriages, um, you know, the, the gameplay and the music together. I think the music captures the tone of the game perfectly. Um, the underground radio style uh, with the songs uh, just feels like they've been mixed in a DJ's basement. To perfection I've given you a couple To, to point out there JB Some of my favourites from it um, Song number one being Let Mum Sleep <laughs> uh, Yes please Fuck yeah So that's the uh, the theme of Jet Set Radio Then Oldies But Happies Is another great one <laughs> Let's look at the fun. Mm. Mm. Fuck Let's. yeah. Yep. Um, Oldies but Happies is another good one. That, uh, that's another fantastic Come on song. Come along, children. Tune in Oldies now but Music. Like old time. Like old time. Just now I'll start the melody on the organ. What a fucking good song. song. Oldies but a goodie. Hmm. But and then you go from some stuff like that, you know, which is insane. But when this game goes to its sequel, it takes all of these songs and actually remixes them and takes, up, it takes samples from those songs and completely creates new songs out of them. Um, and it just nails it. It builds upon the previous soundtrack. Um, with a lot more of a house electronica vibe to it instead of the basement funk sort of vibe and the dance vibes of the the first game. Um, but and then it, the probably the most iconic, in my eyes, the most iconic opening uh, song to a game that you could think of is the concept of love for Jet Set Radio Future and it uh, hit me with it, JB, and just slap me with some hard nostalgia. Yeah. Understand,
1: understand, understand, Highly distorted understand, guitar going on understand,
0: understand, 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 understand the of mm. That fucking track And when it just rips into it it's There's just something about it It gives me goosebumps every time I hear it Because it reminds me of the first time I played that game And I played the sequel first And it's um, It's just such a fucking good experience but i have to say that um i've also had to point out as another i'm a big music geek and i find it really hard to nail down one thing mm-hmm. so um now i i have to say majora's mask one of my favorite zelda stories but also i think has one of my favorite zelda songs mm-hmm. in it um, which is the song of healing this song is clever um it's solemn it captures perfectly the the whole tone of the game um, and for those of you playing at home, it's actually the Lost Woods from Ocarina of Time in reverse. So, um, I mean, like, that fits the theme of the game perfectly anyway, considering, you, you know, Skull Kid is the main antagonist of this game, along with the Mask of Majora. But, I mean, um, it just it works so well. Uh, the way that Zelda games do this and Koji Kondo does this, It blows me away. He also does it in Skyward Sword, and it's just pure fucking genius. Um, So just play a little bit of the Song of Healing if you've got it there, JB. Lick it. Very, uh,
1: yeah, very dour, isn't it?
0: Instantly makes me feel sad and like, I uh, just, yeah, just what a fucking thing. So, they're my picks, everyone. I mean, I could go on all day, but I would fucking, this podcast would go on forever. <laughs> much as this soundbite is. Fuck off. Both, uh, Both those Zelda but games, nah, Majora's Mask. Amazing, Mars, amazing.
2: Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Sensational. Mm. And were you talking, you weren't talking, you are talking Jet Set Radio before, Steely, not Jet Star Radio, I hope.
0: Not Jet Star Radio, <laughs> nah. Mm. I do love Jet Star Radio, though. It's my favourite uh, mod for the game ever. And in, an inside. All the characters are <laughs> just flight hostesses <laughs> yeah, of
2: Jet Radio. Yeah, low budget airline. Uh, a bit of an inside joke there. I think it was maybe in the first handful of podcasts we did. I think I broke some news about a jet. Set radio remake, and I continually called it Jetstar Radio. So. And, and
1: then Jet Force. I yeah, think. I think
2: I was. I think I had about four different names. So. Jet Force
0: Radio. <laughs> um, but for anyone playing at home, if it, just if you like. The Jet Set Radio soundtrack, you've got to play and listen to Persona 5 soundtrack. Mm. It absolutely ticks the same boxes, but in a very different way. Um, just sets the mood and the tone perfectly. Mm. Thank you for your time. All right. <laughs> Tell us about yourself, Joel. What do you love? What do you like? Right. So
1: I like, um, first of all, themes that as soon as you hear them, you know exactly what that theme is. Like, there's no mistaking it. It's mm. something like the Indiana Jones theme. Like you hear it, you know, dun, 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 dun. like you just know exactly mm. what it is. You don't even need to go into it like very far. Mm. And one of the yeah. themes that does this to me, I'm not even going to say what it's called because as soon as you hear it, you're going to know what it is. So here's here's the first one.
0: Yeah. With a bit of fucking
1: Super Mario Bros. three, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dude. So I mean I mean you could you could sit here and dig into Zelda themes all day long and they're all fucking bangers, but just the main title, like just mm. what a jaunty theme and, and you know, it's been remixed and replayed dozens of times from the NES all the way up to, you know, current generation stuff. So uh but yeah, instantly recognizable when you when you hear it, you know, banger. June. Uh, next one, so may not be instantly recognisable to to everybody, but um, the game Chrono Trigger, another like JRPG from the Super Nintendo era, and you know you got to hand it to the the composers that composed the music for all these Japanese RPGs back in the day, because they they just did such a good job they killed it you know the guys that are writing the themes for final fantasy and chrono trigger and secret of mana and legend of zelda and all of these all of these people they they're incredible but this this theme like this is the opening title theme for chrono trigger and even if you haven't heard it like it instantly fires you up it's just got a really good vibe to it so here it is It just pumps along, <laughs> like, you know. You're sitting there, like, about, like, trying to get into the game so you can start it, and you're like, oh, I just want to listen to this because this is firing me up. You know, so, yeah, real earworm, uh, that one. Fantastic song, like, yeah, one of the greatest sort of video game themes, in my opinion um I've got two more they're very quick um so I'd, I'd be remiss to to forget to mention something from this particular title so Fallout four so mm. you're cruising around the wasteland you've got the pit boy on your arm and you decide to tune into Diamond City radio and uh, old mate there he loves uh, cranking out some of the hits and uh, you know I I get this song in my head and I just can't get it out and it's uh, it's this one here. But I've been told uranium is worth more than gold So sold my CAD. I bought me a
2: jeep I got that
1: bug and I can't see uranium, uranium fever has, has gone and got me, got me down, down. Uh, You know, <laughs> that one cycles through with a Geiger counter in my hand I'm going, I'm going, going to get to make make some me some government, government land, <laughs> you know
2: Uranium fever has gone and got me
1: down Nothing like a jaunty little sort of number like yeah. that when you're getting, you know uh, sort of violated by super mutants yeah. and
2: ghouls, and you know, getting mini nukes launched at you.
1: I mean, you know?
2: <clears throat> all of the Fallout games' soundtracks is, are just absolute bangers. And it, I don't know why, but it's just, you know, it's in the future, but the soundtrack is from like the 1940s. Like, <laughs> it's like all music from 1940 onwards disappeared in the Fallout, and that's all that we've got left yeah. with, but they're just. So many good tunes, and oh, so many good original tunes as well, which is fantastic. Like you know, some some stuff that you'd never listen to in a million years, and then you, you come across this game, and you're just like, oh!
1: And nice. someone's kindly made a full playlist of all of those songs from Diamond City Radio yeah, on yeah. Spotify and Apple Music, so you can go on there and uh, have a listen to all your favourites.
2: A catchy sing-alongs.
1: But uh, finally, mm. right. An, an honourable mention goes to this particular piece of music um, because it's sort of become a bit of an internet meme uh, in recent times. But I'm going to set the scene for you. So the year is 1997. You're sitting in front of your brand new Nintendo 64, mm. and uh, you've got a, a certain first-person per- shooter loaded into the uh, the console. You're happily play, <laughs> happily playing along. Need to take a piss, so you hit the little red start button and this comes on.
0: (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) certain of my Fucking what you talking about? Yeah, golden eye. Yeah, fucking yeah. Look how this is going to be with the delay. Yeah.
1: Whoever fucking wrote this piece of music, <laughs> what a fucking legend, you know?
0: Yeah, this is some shit you'd find on Spotify in like a low-fi Goldeneye playlist. Yeah, it just <laughs> hits hard.
1: Yeah, just just the fact they got that big steel yeah. going on in the background every now oh. and then. They've taken it into this sort of halftime thing with the. You know, it's got a bit of a swing to it as well. Like fucking hell, whoever Classic. the person was, you can just imagine them, big steam and joint in one one hand. You know, Sonny's on.
0: Yeah, have a listen to this, boys. I, th- I think I've worked out the yeah
1: pause music. Yeah.
0: Pause. <laughs>
3: Or someone that desperately wanted To be a part of the soundtrack And they're like no you're too inexperienced Alright you can have the crap pause music And I'm like
0: oh I'm gonna do it
3: I'm gonna
0: do, it. I'm gonna do the fucking pause music I'm gonna do the pause <laughs> music, I'm the pause music
3: and I'm gonna make it So better than the game You're gonna
0: wish that this was in a fucking mission you pig <laughs> <laughs> Oh fuck it <laughs> hell <laughs>
1: Well, on that note, that's about all the time we have for this week on the Descending Gamer podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I'd like to thank the DG crew, starting with Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. Thank you, Ferg.
2: Thanks, JB. Always a pleasure, mate.
1: And uh, Simon Steely McLaughlin, the gaming chef himself.
0: Thank you so much, uh, JB. Thanks for having me last night to play some virtual reality. I can't wait till they bring out a virtual reality game where I can give emotional damage to people in the digital world. <laughs> oh wait, it's called the Discerning Game of Podcast. It sure okay. is. Emotional damage. Slap it high.
1: And last <laughs> but not least, uh, Casey C Mac, Pistol Pete, the Pissed. Uh, McLaughlin and <laughs> there's the uh, there's the I've laughed of... every <laughs> time you say <laughs> the piss in the Thank
3: uh,
0: yeah.
1: um, Thank you. Good and uh, if you want to get in touch with us, reach out to us on the socials. Uh, check out uh, a bit of Swordsman VR on the Descending Gamer YouTube channel. It's uh, it's only fairly newly been established, so there's not a lot of content on there, but uh, go and have a look. You'll you'll have a few few chuckles. And, uh, yeah, leave us a comment. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, and uh, we'll see you next week.
0: Just what you like, please. Just tell me what you like because <laughs> am I going to change for you if I don't know who, who you are, if you know, I've never met you? Maybe not. Actually, maybe I would because I've been very sensitive let, to the best a of you. See you. <laughs>